Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Before we get started in this episode, I wanted to share a resource with you that I wish I knew about a long time ago, one that makes it easy to start a side business to generate more income so you stress less about your money, you're able to pay your student loans without worry, and you're able to afford those online shopping sprees. I see you. No judgment here. I am with you. And what's so great is that as social workers, we have so many powerful skill sets that other people want and need to learn from us. This is such an impactful way to continue making massive change in the world without spending a lot of extra time on this. So I personally use Kajabi to create my online course and I absolutely love it. And right now they're giving away free trials. So click the link in the show notes to get started on your side biz now. And with that, let's get into this episode. Hello, Eva. Oh, there you are. Hi. Hi. Hello. How are you today? I'm great. Good. So I'm so excited to have you on Social Rise. So thank you so much. I am glad that I recently found you on YouTube. And Yay. yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, your name... Um, or your handle. I don't know what they call it on YouTube. Rich social worker. Yeah, yep. I'm not sure. <laughs> yep. I was like, rich social worker. That's what I'm trying to be. So I watched your videos. And I was like, she and I are on the same page. This is amazing. Yeah. 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 I, I really, that's the thing that I've loved so much about this journey is connecting with like-minded you know, social workers and visionaries. It's so much fun. So I'm excited about this. Yes, yes, me too. I'm right there with you. I'm curious to know, though, you know, how did you even get started in not only, you know, on YouTube and the rich social worker, but in social work in general? Like, was there something that led you to the field of social work? Mm -hmm. I always ask this question, actually, I used to teach. And I, I always like to know people's origin stories. And mine is that I, um, you know, was you know, in my family, college was always something that you just did, like, you know, it's just assumed that you did. I grew up on a college campus, my dad was a dean of men. And um, so it never occurred to me that I wouldn't go to college. But when I got there, I had no plan, no clue of what I wanted to do with my life. And I ended up, you know, just taking a bunch of general 
classes and just was really lost for a long time. I did two years of just, um, you know, this basic study. So, you know, English 101, um, you know, your, your basic uh, calculus and pre-cal and some of that stuff. And I was like, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? And um, one of my friends suggested social work. And the only reference that I had to social work, which unfortunately is a reference that a lot of people have, is this concept of taking kids away from families. And so I said, yeah, I don't want to take kids away from their families. And she said, yeah, everybody says that, but social work is so much more. And what stinched it for me is she said that it's, it's a really good profession. If you decide that you don't want to do it anymore, it's a good foundation for anything else that you might want to go into. So I, I signed up for a bunch of social work classes because I thought I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do in life and I would not have wasted time. But when I got into my first social work class, I think it was like social welfare and the law or something like that. And it was like the heavens opened up and the angels came down like, oh, this is where you're supposed to be. (laughs) That is exactly how they sounded. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I had no idea that there was a profession that existed that allowed me to be a better version of me. And I was just like, okay, this is, this is it. I found my calling as they say. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so that's how I got into social work itself. I love that. I love that. And I think that's a story that resonates with a lot of people because so many of us don't know that social work even exists until somebody, Mm -hmm. a good friend tells us, or someone says, you, you sound like you might be good for social work or, um, Mm -hmm. I don't even know yeah. how people, you know, come across it because it's, it's not marketed. It's not really advertised. And if you see it, it's, yeah. it's in the bad light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, get this. My, so my teacher, who is an older man, one of my teachers, um, he said to me, oh, so you're following your dad's footsteps. Now my dad is alive and well. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not like he, he was there when I was growing up. We're in the same house. And I was like, what do you mean following my dad's footsteps? Um, Cause like I said, my dad had been the Dean of men. So I knew that he was at the, the dormitory and I knew that he, you know, dealt with people and then he moved into like fundraising and some other things. So I was like, what do you mean following in my mm-hmm. dad's footsteps? It's like, your dad has a master's in social work. I was like, what, what, how do I not know this? <laughs> because, <laughs> but the thing is my dad never, like he, he left his undergrad and just was recruited by a university to work with um, the men in the dorm at the time, and then just kind of built his career around working with young people and different initiatives and then fundraising and some things. So he never worked in clinical practice. So I didn't know that he had a social work degree that tells you how much we talk about career in life. I mean, he's a lovely person. We love each other, but he never, he never suggested social work and I didn't know. And it was just like, Oh, wow. Wait a minute. You can do all these things with a social work degree. I had no idea. And just to that, to my dad's point, like he didn't identify as a social worker, but his degree allowed him to do so many things. Wow. That is fascinating. That is yeah, amazing. Right? I'm wondering mm-hmm. though, what, why did he not mention it? Was he trying to just let you find your own way or? 
Like what? no, I think my I think my family my family that is a good it's a question for the therapist, right? No, <laughs> I think it's a good. I think my in my family my family is very permissive within um within kind of general expectations. So it's kind of like um, that's part of even why I've been able to travel. So I lived in Taiwan for a year. Um, I'm just leaving living in Jamaica for the last 15 years. Um, and I've been able to do a lot of things in my life because my family is very much like, hey, you're going to, you know, do whatever your heart desires. <laughs> like, we're going to support you. So they're not very, they haven't been very directive. Like, you should do this or you should do that. It's more like try on a lot of different coats and see what fits. So I think it was more of that as opposed to, you know, trying to hide anything from me. Um, it's just like, hey you know, what do you like? Enjoy yourself. That's beautiful. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. really great. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So you got your degree. And mm -hmm. what did you do then? Did you go into social work? Like, what did you do? Yeah, I thought I would have. And you know what, full disclosure, and I want to say this early, I fell out of love with social work um, several times on this journey. And I want people to hear that and know that that is a real thing. It happens. And I, I say it now because I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about my story that sounds like I'm, I was just in social work and I've been in love with social work forever and ever and ever. Amen. And the truth is that there have been some really hard lessons that I've you know, experienced as a social worker. One of them being um, the pain of not understanding my value and my worth and how to ask for it and not being paid well. And um, the pain of kind of being, yeah, this expectation of um, the, the expectation that my service doesn't need a dollar amount attached to it. It's just, you know, it just should be appreciated. I should appreciate giving my service and that should be enough for me like pain in different ways so social work has been painful for me at different parts of my journey uh, however I still love it and that's because I've now kind of I now understand that there were things that I did not understand on my journey and that I now have kind of reconciled and gotten therapy for and am now hopefully helping others to you know look out for some of those stumbling blocks so that they don't end up in the same space that I was. Now, getting back to your question, <laughs> um, I went from undergrad and I worked for a year and then I went to graduate school in New York. And I've, I always love, you know, like anything diverse, anything that's different from me or the norm. And so I grew up in Alabama and Alabama at the time there was, you know, I, I guess I saw things in kind of black and white. That was kind of my experience. So I went to church with black people and then I went to, um, I went to school with white people and that was kind of my world. Um, so when I say black and white, I'm, I'm talking about race. I'm talking about um, ethnicity. No, that's not ethnicity. I have to, I have to go back into my technical jargon. Um, but I'm talking, I'm talking about from that perspective. So I, I knew, however, that there was more to life than just this experience in the South of, you know, you know, the black and white experience. And 
in high school, I had been exposed to people from different parts of the world um, because I had gone to a boarding school. So I wanted that again. And so New York was the furthest place that I could think of to go that would also allow me a really rich, diverse cultural experience. Because I, my idea was to be an international social worker. And um, I got that idea because I had taken um, almost two years off of college between that time of not knowing what I wanted to do and figuring out I wanted to do social work. I had signed up to be a missionary in Taiwan. And so I went overseas for a year and um, ended up taking off two bookshelf um, semesters. So it was, I was out of school for two years. But anyway, I loved the diversity of you know, a different culture and a different language and different food and different ideas. And so New York in my head was the best place to continue my studies in social work. So I have a master's in social work and the focus was international work with immigrants and refugees. And I thought I was gonna be working in the UN and I thought I was gonna be traveling all over the world and just saving people all over the world <laughs> with my international social work degree. And um, my mom originally was from Jamaica, but she passed away when I was 10 years old. Um, and, but my grandma still lived in Jamaica. So I thought, you know what, after I got my master's degree, Jamaica is a good place for me to get my feet wet in this international social work space. It's the place of my mom's birth. Um, we still have a family house there. Um, you know, and my grandmother was there at the time. So I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll just go to Jamaica and figure out how to be a social worker in another country. And then eventually I'll translate that to different countries all over the world. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was 15 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Stayed in Jamaica that whole time, but it's, yeah, but it's been good. I feel like I've gone off track. I don't remember. What was the question? (laughs) (laughs) No, I love the story. I loved it. So yeah, the question was, you know, what did you do in your social work journey after school. So when you got to Jamaica, did you, were you actually like, did you work as a social worker or? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, I actually, so funny story. Um, my grandmother, um, who was living at the time and is, has deceased, has since passed on. Um, she was, she was very proud of me and very excited that I was coming to Jamaica And she reached out to one of her friends who had been the president of a nearby university. And she said, hey, Eva's coming to Jamaica. She's got her master's in social work. Do you know of any jobs at the university? And he said, let me check. And it just so happened that the university was just starting a social work program, like a, a BSW program. They had had social work as like a minor under like counseling, right? So you could get, um, you could take a few social work courses and they'd say you had an associates in social work. Um, but it, I, I don't think it trans, it didn't translate outside of Jamaica at the time, I don't think. So when I came on the island, they had just um, finished the curriculum for a bachelor's degree and they needed some social work teachers. So it worked out, (laughs) it just kind of all the stars aligned. And so I ended up 
teaching that first cohort of graduates and ended up actually being the coordinator of the social work program for that university. So I did that for six and a half years. And, um, and I, it was a great experience because I was able to connect it. I had a, a few different roles at that school. So I was a social work program coordinator, which gave me a great overview of kind of like the landscape of the education and what was happening for social workers at the training level. And then I, I ended up when I was kind of leaving the university, I kind of subbed for about a while, for about a year. And I did social work, I did field coordination for social workers and um, counseling students, things like that. And so I was able to, to connect on a deeper level with some of the some of the agencies where we would place our social workers. And so I got to connect with those entities and people kind of got a sense of who I was and got to know me. And then I, you know, because in the States, I don't, I'm assuming it's the same way everywhere, but in my experience, you, you're, everybody knows NASW, you know, you're re- encouraged to be a member um, in fact, in my undergrad, we had to become members before we graduated. Mm-hmm. So this, this connection to the NASW in the States, for me anyway, was really strong, not the same in Jamaica. And so when I got to Jamaica and found out that they had an association, I kind of just did what I always did, which was, oh, there's an association that must mean I need to connect. And one of the things I realized is that the association in Jamaica wasn't as robust Um, or formalized as we are here in the States. And so I kind of just fit myself in and where I saw a need, um, I tried to fill it. And what ended up happening is when it was time for elections, they were like, okay, you're going to be the president. I was like, no, that's not possible. (laughs) Um, And they're like, no, you, you are going to be the president. I mean, we had elections, but um, I was voted in (laughs) as the president. And so the last thing, I've, I've been the president of the association for longer, actually, than I was the head of the social work department. So uh, needless to say, a lot of people know in the social work world, um, I know a lot of people, mm-hmm. <laughs> people because I've, I've had this very unique, I think, journey, you know, from the classroom to the agencies and then, you know, working on the macro level. And, you know, we've we work closely with UNICEF and with USAID and with these different international organizations. And so in a way, my dream um, to be this international social worker has come true. Um, And now I, you know, I've I've actually just recently stepped down from the presidential role and um, hopefully we'll have elections soon. But yeah, that's that's where (laughs) that's where we are today. Wow. I love it. I love it, Eva. Eva. I always do that, Eva. (laughs) Um, That's so awesome. So you have so much amazing experience and it's so fascinating to hear how your social, you use your social work degree and that actually transferred over to the business world and to running programs and to being the president of association. So I'm wondering, you know, can you 
give us some tips or break it down? You know, what, how do we use or transfer or market ourselves to where we can take our social work skills and then transfer them into business or the macro world if we're clinical focused or, um, or even start our own business and be an entrepreneur. Do you have any tips for us? I do. And actually, let me just backtrack a little because what I did not share is that um, now, I guess what I do now is really focused on helping social workers to um, transfer their mindsets around money and all things wealth and well-being. So, you know, self-care and, um, you know, what it looks like to really have a balanced life. And I got there because remember when I was saying that I had fallen out of love Mm -hmm. with social work, it's because while I was doing all of these seemingly amazingly things, right. I oftentimes couldn't put gas in my car. Um, in Jamaica, they use a, a prepaid system for to buy credit for your phone. And I couldn't afford credit <laughs> money on, to put on the phone to make phone calls a lot of times. And unfortunately, the association operates that way too. It's 100% volunteer. And it's not, um, it's, it's not conducive to a healthy life mm-hmm. for anyone. To ask someone to volunteer is one thing. But when you're building an organization or, you know, when you're really a part of something bigger than yourself that doesn't belong to you, it's really unfair to ask everyone, even, you know, especially people at the top who have to work more than 40 hours a week on this, this thing, this organization, it's really unfair to ask them to volunteer hundred percent. So this, um, that's what led me into starting Rich Social Worker, because I had gotten to a point in, in my time, during my time in Jamaica, where I wasn't sure if I was going to stay in Jamaica, I wasn't sure if I was going to leave. And if I left, I wasn't sure that I wanted to stay in social work, because it, like I said, it had just been so painful to continue the work without the financial compensation and their real life um, consequences when you don't have money, Mm -hmm. right? And um, I, I had started to, my health was starting to deteriorate. Um, sometimes I couldn't keep my lights on. Like it was really getting bad. And I, I traced it all. My story was that it's because I'm a social worker um, and it wasn't, it wasn't healthy. And so, yeah, I, I burnt out a couple of times, but I ran into, I shouldn't say ran into, I, I started hearing um, people talking about changing your mind and your mindset. And one of the things that I had done was I had borrowed some money from a bank, got this loan and um, ended up losing the money in an ill-advised investment. And I said, you know what? I can either, I can either go further down into depression, which I didn't know what that would look like because it was bad. Um, And I was like, you know, but wait, I'm a social worker. I know how to figure stuff out. I figure stuff out for people all the time. And there are other people who aren't as, you know, <laughs> studied or don't have as much life experience as I do that aren't having the experiences that I'm having. So there's something going on with me and my mindset. What is it? I'm going to figure it out. And when I figure it out, I'm going to tell every social worker I know. 
And that's what led me to Rich Social Worker because I started reading. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read Think and Grow Rich. I read The Science of Getting Rich. I read anything that had to do with money and mindset. And I learned that people that have money think very differently from the rest of us that don't. And initially, you know, I thought that, oh, rich people are bad and they're evil and they're just out to get you. And, you know, I learned so many things. I learned that that's not true (laughs) necessarily there. You know, people are who they are and money just highlights um, the best of the worst parts of them. Um, And it's, you know, your character is what determines the type of, your character is what determines what you do with money when you have it. It's not something that's, that's preordained. And so I had to really unlearn a lot of things and then relearn um, things that were much more better for my (laughs) well-being. But, you know, on this journey, I identified that, you know, there were, there were things that were influencing my mindset that I maybe was unconscious of. And so when I realized that one of them, of course, was the messages that I got from my family when I was younger about, you know, oh, I don't have a dime to my name. We're as broke as a church mouse and all these, you know, things that suggest that we don't have money in the family. Um, And then another one, another message, other messages, I'm sorry, came from the church. Um, You know, it's better to give than to receive. Sacrifice is more, um, is more celebrated than getting something like that, you know, different um, messages. Uh, Jesus was, Jesus was poor. And so there's virtue and poverty, those kinds of messages. And then thirdly, messages came from social work. And so when I realized that social work messaging had kind of helped to reinforce some of this other negative messaging that I got when I was young, I really got um, militant about changing my mindset and changing the narrative or helping to change the narrative in social work that we have about, you know, how we don't do it for the money. We know we don't do it for the money. We don't have to keep celebrating that. That's not, it it doesn't need to be said. Um, (laughs) We just need to, that doesn't mean we don't still need to get paid for what we do or, you know, um, we do it for the outcome, not for the income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) we still need income Mm -hmm. Um, because what that says to people that would otherwise pay us is that, Oh, great. You're doing it for the outcome because they're very clear about the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And so when they see someone or an opportunity to not have to pay, they're going to take it. They're not going to say, Oh no, 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 don't worry. Don't bother. No, 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 no. That's us. We've been trained and we train ourselves and reinforce these messages that, um, money doesn't matter. And that's not true. Money matters. It matters. It matters. And one of the things that was interesting when I started doing this research for myself and starting the, you know, rich social worker was, you know, social work, when you, when you type in social work in a Google search, at least at the time, social work salary was one of the first things that came up or social work income or social work. Um, how much do social workers get paid? Like these are highly searched terms. And so to say that money doesn't matter is not true. Um, And I have to say that since I've been on this journey and now maybe I've been on this journey, maybe a decade or more now, you know, and when I first started Rich Social Worker, it was offensive to people. Social workers did not like the name. They 
were hostile towards it. Wow. <laughs> they were like, that is, that's not cool. Yeah. They were, they were like, that's not cool. Like, why would you say that? Like, that's not, you know, that that's just an oxymoron and that's not, it doesn't align with our values. I have to say though, now, years later, I see, I see a transformation in the profession. I see, you know, especially a lot of the younger social workers who get it. And they're like, I am not about this broke life. And they're, you know, they gravitate. I think just like you, the name rich social worker in and of itself pulls people in. Whereas for a long time, Catherine, for a long time, it pushed people away. So I'm happy to see the transformation in the profession. And um, I see more social workers kind of owning this concept of a brand and, you know, being entrepreneurial. So that's, that makes me feel really good. Wow. There, I got chills just listening to you talk because everything that you said resonated with me 100%. I, I even from, you know, from the very beginning is just like, you're working your tail off and you're worried about money. You're worried about putting gas in your car. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, for me, we, we would keep, we wouldn't turn on the air conditioning in in my Mm -hmm. house and, you know, in Southern California it gets very, very hot. I, Mm -hmm. I got, I got heat exhaustion like more than once Mm -hmm. because I was constantly hot. I wanted to save money. I didn't want to turn on the air in my car for, to save Mm -hmm. gas. So like all those Mm -hmm. little dollars and Mm -hmm. it totally 100% impacts your health. Absolutely. And we're killing ourselves doing this. Yeah. Yeah. We're like on so many levels, it's coming at us from all different angles, from the finances, from, you know, we're stressed about our own finances at home. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, don't turn on the air because of money. And then I go to my client and they're you know, in the same boat, um, also Mm -hmm. stressed about their, about their finances. And I'm supposed to help them when Mm -hmm. I need help myself. Mm -hmm. And so there's that mental and emotional stress on us. Like, oh shoot, am I doing my job right? Am I doing everything I can? Like, I don't know if I can help them. And, and that moral, you know, that sense of moral, like you want to help them, but like, can you? Mm -hmm. And And yes, I read those, I read some of those books and it's true. They do like rich people think differently than poor people. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I like struggle with like, why is this not taught in schools? Like instead of Mm -hmm. reading the scarlet letter or the Bay Mm -hmm. of pigs, I don't know. Why didn't we read Mm -hmm. like rich dad, poor dad? Mm -hmm. Yep. Like Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but that's, I guess, (laughs) an issue with the school system. So on so many levels, like we're not, you know, we're keeping ourselves broke essentially. And right. Right. And it's not necessarily our fault, but it does involve some unlearning about the stories that we were told growing up and, and even stories in social work. I remember distinctly being told, don't expect to make a lot of money. And so mm-hmm. when you go and apply for your jobs, you're grateful to get a job. So you don't even try to negotiate. Mm-hmm. And- yep. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And I think, you know, to answer your question that Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, the author talks about 
how the reason why this stuff isn't um, trained, taught in school is because what's taught is we're, we're all taught to be employees. We're taught to work for other people and to keep this engine running. Um, we're not taught that we can create our own engines. And it's to the benefit of the man <laughs> that, that we are employees, but it's not to the benefit of us. And I think, you know, again, I think times are changing. People are waking up. Um, so I recommend, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad to everybody. And I also recommend that we, you know, challenge some of these beliefs that we've had for so long, whether they're in the profession of social work or whether they have come from your upbringing. But, you know, is it true that you don't deserve to have AC or, you know, can't afford to have AC when it's 120 degrees outside? Is that true? And, and again, what Rich Dad Poor Dad teaches is, you know, you can, or what rich people do is they they don't eliminate things from their lives that they want or that they see that they need. What they do is they try to find ways to fund the things in their lives that they want. So if you know it's going to cost an extra $100 a week or a month to have this thing in your life that you need or you want, then you've got to think creatively about how can you earn an extra $100 not necessarily, okay, my paycheck says this. So how can I get my paycheck to stretch? No. How else can you earn an extra hundred dollars? Maybe you need to move into another industry. Maybe you need to downsize your house. Maybe you need to sell something. Um, and I believe that all of us have something that someone would pay us for. We may not know what it is right now, or we may not know how to package it and sell it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, and so then the work is figuring out what that thing is that people would pay you for that you do really well, or that you know a lot about and, um, package that and sell that and let that pay for this, this enhanced life experience. Yes. Yes. I love that. And, and on this episode, you'll hear me talk about Kajabi, um, you know, before and after I, that's the platform I used to, I had this piece of knowledge that I knew was going to help people. So I got on Kajabi made a little course about it and I'm helping people, you know, I'm selling the course and I'm mm -hmm. helping people mm -hmm. through that course. So you, yeah. you know, us as social workers, you have so many skills that you can package up and record, you know, teach something, a tangible skill. And this can be teaching anybody you like, maybe you see a need for your clients and, you know, they need to know about, I don't know, whatever. Um, or mm -hmm. if you see a need just in your community um, and they need to know about something, you know, that's, that's one way that you can do that. Um, but I, I know for, for a tangible thing to take away, if you're listening right now, I need you to reevaluate your money mindset and see, are there messages that I have been listening to and hearing my whole life that are not serving me anymore? And are there 
any kind of books or webinars or, you know, watching a rich social worker or listening to um, a business podcast? Like, is there something that you can do today that you can start educating yourself about finances? If you're doing that, put it on Instagram, share it with the world and tag me in it because I want to celebrate with you. Um, and so Eva, one last question, Mm -hmm. some, some Mm -hmm. quick tips on what we can do to take our social work skills and transfer them into business, or is there overlap between our skills and business? Total overlap. And this is good news for social workers, because I think, um, for some of us, we get intimidated by this idea of business, like, oh, it's such a such a big deal. And I, I'm not into, you know, I'm not good with math or numbers. <laughs> and, and the thing is that, you know, like I said, business is really just about helping people solve problems. And that's what social workers are really good at. But it, it means understanding and learning a little bit, little bit more about how you do that. Um, but to give you an example, um, a lot of, and so one of the things that I'm doing now is helping social workers move into coaching. I think that's probably one of the easiest transitions that social workers can make. Not that there aren't other things. So, you know, I see social workers like making earrings and social workers making planners and workbooks and being entrepreneurial in that way. But I think a, a lot of us, especially because we, we emphasize this mm, talk counseling or talk therapy so much, you know, a lot of us are kind of primed to be great coaches. Coaches, Coaching is not therapy. It's not counseling. It's moving people forward, helping them solve a problem. But I think it aligns really well with how we naturally engage with people. And so this, this um, idea of coaching, I think, or just business in, in any kind of sense, right, really, means that you need skills and qualities, like you need to be able to solve problems. Like I said, you need to be flexible and nimble and open-minded. And that's what social workers are. Um, so these are qualities that overlap in business and, and social work, right? Um, you need to be able to take initiative. You need to be able to think strategically and help people, you know, really kind of zone in on not just what the core issues are, but what some possible solutions might be or what some possible strategies might be or things that they may need to consider would be when you are helping them solve this problem. So these are some of the things that overlap. And I think also, yeah, coaching is kind of lends itself to solving these problems for people. I love that. I really love that. Thank you so much, Eva. And I'm so excited, you know, um, I'm excited to just talk to you further about, you know, my journey and my mindset that I had to go through to get to this place because, you know, it's, it's a process. It doesn't just happen overnight. It's definitely a process. Yes. And we're going to talk about your journey on rich social work (laughs) in our next, in our interview. Yeah. I'm excited about that too. Yay. Yay. Okay. Awesome. So, um, where can people find you and where are we going to be doing this interview? Okay, great. So I am 
most places rich social worker. So on YouTube, definitely um, youtube.com forward slash rich social worker. I'm on Instagram, but listen, people, my Instagram, it, it needs some work. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's coming along, but I'm on Instagram as rich social worker. Um, I'm also um, at richsocialworker.com. So check me out there. I've actually got a, a workshop coming up in two weeks to help social workers transition into coaching if that's something that they're interested Ooh. in. So they can find out the information, yep, on the website, richsocialworker.com. By the time this releases, it may not even be two weeks. It'll be much, much sooner than that. So yeah. go on today, right now, click on the link in the show notes to get your spot because you don't, don't want to miss it. And also I'm going to be yeah. revealing some juicy details on the rich social worker, YouTube that I haven't shared before. So <laughs> make sure to tune into that. And thank you so much. Absolutely. Eva. Absolutely. I'm so glad you found me and I will see you on my channel. Yay! See you then. Bye. Thank you so much for hanging out with me on Social Workers Rise. If you are looking to add another stream of income while making massive impact on the world, then I highly recommend creating your own online course. I personally use Kajabi and highly recommend it. They make it super easy to turn what you know into what you do. Click the link in the show notes to get started today. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved it, write a review and give us five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. This just helps other people just like you find us and join our community. Also, I would love to connect with you on Instagram. You can find me at Social Workers Rise. I can't wait to see you next week. Bye.